I be slightly negative for a second? I, you always do. Welcome to the Yak Sports Podcast with Joe Deck and Leela McRae. Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the Yak Sports Podcast. I'm Joe Deck. Leland McRae is with me tonight, and Leland, last week was the first round of the high school football playoffs. Later on, we're going to talk to Mike Barber about the NCAA basketball season coming up, but let's focus first on these high school football playoffs. A lot of great games, uh, well, two great games. One went the way of our schools in Augusta County, the other one not so much, but let's take a look at the whole thing. Yeah, I want to talk about Gap first. That was a huge win on the road at Clark County, up from your parts. And uh, they went up there. And, you know, I'm not trying to give away Gap's game plan, but Rivenberg runs the ball pretty well, and they like to give it to him. And uh, he broke all kinds of records for most carries, most yards in a playoff game at Buffalo Gap. Uh, Pickle Knuckles, I believe, was the guy that uh, used to have those – records and uh i believe he won a state championship with buffalo gap so uh good records to break and uh, they got the big win against clark county and you know in all honesty uh you know both you and i picked clark county in our pickums on friday night and uh because we just thought clark had too many weapons but gap did a great job controlling all those different weapons and really just imposing their will all night and just rivenberg ripping off run after run of big yardage yeah i was kind of surprised and i think you, me, and Chip, uh, and I know you and me were listening for pretty much the whole game, and Chip actually was able to listen for uh, about a half until he had to start his basketball practice. So we were all listening to the game, and I think you and I, we, we were texting most of the game. And I, I, what I was surprised by was just the the lack, and without being able to see it, I don't know how much of it is you know, missed tackles or just you know, good blocking or, or what. But it seemed to me early in the second half, Clark County finally figured it out. They're like, okay, this Carter Rivenberg guy's the only one that ever gets the ball. And so they started to key in on him. But after that one stop they had in the second half, they just couldn't do it again. They couldn't replicate that. And to me, that was really surprising. Clark County's offense never seemed to click as consistently as Buffalo Gaps, obviously, because they didn't win the game. But they only scored 21 points, which was really surprising that Buffalo Gap's defense came out and did that. That's frankly something we haven't seen out of Buffalo Gap's defense all season long. Yeah, it, um, it was one of their best defensive efforts. I mean, still gave up some points, but, you know, really put the clamps on when they needed and came up with the stops. And I think we have seen moments of that with Gap, with coming up with big stops when they needed it. Um, I think we in the East Rock game when we saw it, we kind of credited East Rock decision to throw the ball really helping gap out but still they came up with a big play and did that so they're really opportunistic defense I, i'm not going to say some kind of great defense and not even the defense that we're used to seeing out of swope but you know they come up with the big plays when they need them and you know they win games because of it and they, they haven't won every game and they're you know seven and uh four on the season now but uh you know they're they're good enough and they're they're in the second round of the playoffs and i don't care what happens to get you there second round of the playoffs is pretty good especially in that region because every one of those first round matchups are tough they are and you know i'm gonna give away my pick for friday i guess but i, I don't think it's gonna come to any shock i didn't pick him to beat clark county i'm surely not gonna pick him to beat east rock i know that game was close the last time i hope it's that close this time since you and i are going to be going there but i, I just think you know, no matter what happens Friday night in the second round against East Rockingham, Buffalo Gap has had a pretty good season and they've been able to ride Carter Rivenberg. And, you know, next year will be a different problem that they're going to have to address when next year comes. But as far as this year is concerned, Carter Rivenberg did manage to get some nice chunks of yards against East Rockingham, too. And East he Rock a, has got to find 196 a way. yards that night. Yeah, East Rock has got to find a way to slow him down in that game. Uh, you can't. You cannot allow Buffalo Gap to enter a shootout with you if you're East Rock. Yeah, they're dangerous like that, and they come up with the big plays when they need them. Uh, but yeah, Carter Rimberg, 196 yards that game. The one thing you might look at, though, is where we're used to Carter Rimberg getting 200 yards a game. It took him 38 carries that game, so he still only averaged five yards a carry. But East Rock will want to limit Carter Rivenberg and not let him quite do that. But, I, I mean, that would... That would be my approach. I'm not trying to give away what I think could beat Buffalo Gap, but just just stop him and see if anybody else can beat you. And if I'm East Rock, I really try to do that because I have so many weapons other places that if 
Wilcher or Karakoff or Fitzgerald start scoring multiple touchdowns on me, I'm still betting on my weapons matching that. Um, Gap is going to have to not let Jawan Evans run for 200 yards. And they also, they limited Dylan Williams last time to 74 yards passing. If they can do that again, that's a, that's a recipe for success. And that, and that's just something not a lot of times, a lot of teams have done that, you know, maybe they've limited Dylan Williams to under hundred yards passing, but that's because he stopped playing in the, at halftime. Uh, but you know, if he's on a 74 pace for the game, that's good news for gap. Um, but yeah, it's going to take an incredible effort because East Rock is one of the best teams in the state, but it makes you start get when they beat Clark and you didn't really necessarily expect them. You start to wonder if they kind of have some kind of outside shot. It's, it's one game. It's all it takes is one game. And we've seen other big teams go down. So it'll be interesting. It is. And it, you're right. You, any given Friday, you know, uh, all you have to do is win once. Not maybe nine times out of ten, you lose that game to East Rock. But it, if <laughs> if the one time is in the playoffs, it, it really matters. Are we doing our little Giants quote? A two in one week. Sure. That one time. That one time. That one it takes, time. You know, and that was Although, the lesson. And that it was. Giants. Yeah, it was one out of a hundred in that time, but which maybe may be an accurate, <laughs> maybe maybe an accurate representation of these two teams. I don't know, but I, you know, I, I feel kind of bad saying that because he's. Buffalo Gap, you know, weather aside, Buffalo Gap did hang in that game. They did have a shot to win the game there at the end. They had the ball and they had to pass it. And unfortunately, the pass ended up getting intercepted. But Buffalo Gap was about 30 yards away from tying that ball game or winning the ball game because I think they would have gone for two there. They probably would have because they they aren't known for their kicking. Let's move on to the game we watched. Lehigh season comes to an end. They fought hard against Loray. But Loray just seemed like the better team and the more complete team. I mean, they they did better on defense and they consistently were moving the ball on offense where Lee had their spurts. Loray just continually kind of had the same effort all night and and just kind of seemed to just outlast Lehigh. Yeah, I, I kind of you and I had the same reactions in that game. Ari Lee had their chances. They just did not take advantage of them. They never got within a score once they fell behind 14-0. They never again got back within a score in that ball game, And I think that's frustrating um, for Ari Lee because, or excuse me, uh, they never got tied. They never yeah, they were never, able to tie they the ball game. They never got back to tied. They never overcame the deficit. Right. They never yeah. overcame the deficit. They never got tied. They never got the lead. And, and that's because the defense we talked about Buffalo Gap's defense getting the key stops. Ari Lee's didn't. They had yep. two fourth downs on Loray's last drive, and they had a fourth down the drive before that, where if they could have just stopped Loray and gotten the ball back, they would have gotten it in a midfield or the first time on that second drive. It would have been on the right side of the 50 for him, down yep. five with three minutes to go or something like that. And they just couldn't get that stop. It was a fourth and five, so it's not like it's a fourth and inches here, and you're asking your defense kind of a lot. It's a fourth and five. You're asking him to stop the guy with before he gets five yards. It's not out of the, you know, they should be able to do that. Uh, it just wasn't that kind of night for Ari Lee. The offense took a while to get going. Once it did, it looked fine. It looked it looked like Ari Lee's offense would you'd expect it to. Garrett Lawler had a big night. Garrett Lawler got worked a lot. But I think what they're going to look back at is they allowed Austin Holloway to have some huge, huge runs. Every single touchdown run for Loray was a big run they were not long sustained drives setting up runs inside the five yard line I mean each one of those things was big plays and it's frustrating Ari Lee on the other hand their drives ending in the end zone uh, were long drives that ate up a lot of clock and unfortunately they were behind the entire game so there were a few times I know especially late where you and I were like man I gotta pick it up here and they just seem to be taking yeah. their time yeah. and now, granted, uh, you could have put five minutes on the clock when they scored that touchdown or 10 minutes on the clock, and it wouldn't have mattered because they, their defense couldn't get the stop they needed. Yep, I, I agree. Uh, they come, Coming back, their season's done. Lawler's gone, one of the best running backs to come through there in a while. Uh, just a real tough-nosed running back. They're going to have some other weapons next year. They also have Dodd back at quarterback. And I, I just, for Lee fans' sake, I want to say Jaden Williams, when he was a junior, 
wasn't Jaden Williams as we saw as a senior. So I really think that he has the capability of improving over the offseason, really being what they need him to be next year. I don't I don't think he gets to Jaden Williams level in necessarily, but if he could be the best uh, Dodd that he can be, then that'll be pretty good because he had some really good moments this year. I think he's a quality quarterback. I think he's well coached. So I really think positive things for Lee next year. We have to see See what you get when we get there and who's who's actually playing and who's not. But they'll have weapons and, and they'll be contended next year. They're not dropping off the face of the earth. Um, I really did think that about Lee after the last year's state run. They're going to take a step back, but they're not going to just drop off to nothing. And, and they haven't. And I, and I don't see it going uh, further downhill. I think they'll be uh, at least in that, you know, eight, seven spot in the playoffs. So, uh, yeah, that's at least. I think they're probably looking at a very similar season to this yeah. year. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so the other action in high school football in our area was East Rock dismantling Wilson. Yeah. Not a whole lot to as say. Expected. And was predicted. Yeah. And, and Wilson season's done. They have lots of weapons coming back. They had the young quarterback. Uh, they get one of their good running backs back. So they'll have their different weapons. Everybody has to reload after every year. So you kind of have to see how it comes together. But I don't see the pieces of the puzzle that make them jump up a lot. I, I think you're kind of looking aiming for the same thing now they, they their aim should be higher i mean they, they should be working to get better and prove us wrong i just don't see what hops off the page of who's going to be that driving force to you know get them a home playoff game or something like that yeah i i think this is the ceiling for wilson i don't even see them really building on this that much and maybe i'm wrong coach major leads the green hornets to a great year next year and they get a mid yeah a mid seat going into the playoffs. That would be huge for Wilson. I don't even think they can do that. I, I think you're looking around. I, I think there's too many other teams that are going to have a lot of players returning. Loray, let's let's be honest. Loray has a great chance. Even what the v, I have a question for you. But they're if, gone. <laughs> but they're gone. Yeah, but they're not gone in the region. I'm they're talking about region, region playoffs. Okay, okay, in the region. Fair enough. I'm talking about region playoffs. And they I, actually do play Loray in the regular season. But the, the VHSL has Loray as the home team, which I'm hoping is a mistake. Uh, and you and I can talk about that in a second. But um, Loray's at kinda, Central, yeah. Yeah, on the VHSL side, it says it's at Loray. I don't you know if... Mistakes. Yeah, but um, <laughs> that game is at Central. But my point is, Loray has a lot of people returning on that team, and they're a three seed this year. And so I, I look at Loray's team, and I think... Man, this team, team could be year. really, really good next year. Um, they're coming off multiple playoff seasons in a row here, so they're kind of just rolling. That's a, it's a good program that uh, Nolan Jeffries has built up there. I really commend them, and and being up there watching them at home and watching everything going on. Not a great crowd, but still, I think it's a good thing happening up there, and I think it'll continue to rise, really. Yeah, I'm not sure East Rock drops off that severely. So I even though they've got a lot of seniors on this year's team, East Rock always seems to be a very good football team. So I think they're probably worst case scenario, a mid-level team. You look yeah, around seven, maybe eight wins. Yeah. Yeah. You're looking around Clark County is not too senior laden. They're probably going to have a lot of guys coming back and getting yep. better. So that's a team that's going to move up from a mid rank to a higher rank. The question is, is Ari Lee going to be at the top? Are they going to be mid? That That's the thing. A lot of these teams that are losing people, how far do they drop? How far they drop depends on how good Wilson is. And if Wilson can turn into this great team and get to a mid to upper level, upper mid spot in that region, that's a great year for Wilson. I just don't think that's going to happen because here's the thing. A team that's not in the playoffs this year that I think is going to be pretty good next year is Stewart's draft. Yeah, that team, draft is that team come grew back a lot factor. at the end of the year. And I think that's a very dangerous team that I think tops Wilson next year. That's the two teams I would say right now you can circle. I mean, sure, circle Riverheads and, and pray. But right now, if you're Wilson, you circle the draft game and the Loray game because that's a team that's probably going to be right around your level and probably headed upwards. And Loray, who's right ahead of you, that you're going to want to be better than. If you want to improve, those are the two games you got to win next year. The rest will take care of itself. If you can beat those two teams, you're going to win a lot of games. See, if we were doing a way too early preview of next year, I would take Loray as the one. I think Loray might be that good in the region. That's, yeah, it's way too early. <laughs> All right, uh, Riverheads gets gets going this week. They'll host Alta Vista. Uh, if Alta Vista scores, that should be notable. Yeah. Uh, it was a 42-0 game last year. Uh, Alta Vista let Stonewall score the most points Stonewall scored all season last week. So that's seven. Saying 
And that includes Stonewall kicking off backwards. They kicked off and lost a yard. The ball went backwards. So is that so, kid going to Nebraska? Or... <laughs> I so know your brother-in-law loves that. Riverheads gets going. We're going to be at the East Rock Buffalo Gap game, and hopefully the Bison can uh, stay in uh, action. We'd be shocked if Riverheads is out after this week, and that's the two teams we're riding from our local area. Let's talk volleyball. Yeah, uh, Region B final was pretty special for Riverheads. Um, awesome. They're the only team still in it uh, on our end, but pretty special night for Riverheads. They're in a state semifinal tomorrow night against Matthews. Yeah, they won the quarter. Yeah, they won the region final. They won the quarter, and now they're playing the state semifinal. We're recording on Monday night. Uh, I was hoping to be at the game Tuesday, and I'm not going to be able to be there, but it's mm. been a great atmosphere up there. I was at that region final. It was awesome. Uh, nothing like good volleyball or, or competitive good volleyball when it means something to really get going. I saw Patrick Height tweeting this week about the great atmosphere at Riverheads. And, I, you know, I don't, I don't think it's a Riverhead thing. I think it's if you have good volleyball going, you get those big, loud crowds and it's fun. And just the way the sport is designed, it it lends itself to big moments and those big kills coming over the net. You can feel them coming and then it's boom and it, it's it's fun. Um uh, a lot of good players there, uh, and I'm escaping all the names right now. I, I took poor notes on uh, on me, uh, but four and ten and uh, five and uh, I never say it right. The one that wears the different colored shirt, the, the libero, the, the libero. She's pretty good, um, but a lot of players that could really serve well and play up front well. Really impressed with the whole team, and uh, I'm really hoping they can get to that state final. State finals Friday at 4 p.m. I'm not gonna be able to make that either. So no, uh, unfortunately, I won't be able to either. But I was, because I was sitting there thinking, man, if they do a Saturday final, I might drive down there to Richmond and take a look at it. But and it's not, it's at Salem. Salem, actually. Salem it's yeah, even, even more helpful for me. Yeah, but um, unfortunately, you and I won't be able to make that. I will be somewhere else on Friday. But um, yeah, you know, obviously we're pulling for Riverheads here. They're the only local team left. We hope they win it all. Uh, and you know, no matter what happens. I, We've talked about this last week, and I listened. I happened to finally have a chance to listen back to our episode last week and talk about just the success that Riverheads is having this fall with football, doing what they were expected to do, but volleyball jumping up. And then you look ahead to the winter sports, and you're thinking there's a lot of success coming their way in that too. Riverheads turned into an athletic program that is maybe, I think you could easily say the best 1A athletic program this year and uh, calendar year easily. I, I yeah. think you're looking <laughs> tops in the state, regardless of classification. Now they're not the top in this. I mean, Westfield is good at pretty much everything at six a, but oh, Riverheads well, yeah, I mean, is yeah. Riverheads is having a very, very successful year at one a this, this season, yeah, this sure. school year. I want to circle back to some names and hit what you're saying. Uh, Abby Evers is number five. She did a, had really good game uh, when I saw her, and I, I read that she played really well in the state quarter. Um, four, Emma Tomlinson was really good in the game I was at. Uh, Emma Staten was uh, good. Uh, just a lot of good players out there. Uh, it really, Emma Tomlinson really stuck out of my mind because she would have some good serves and then be very good up front. So I just wanted to get those names in there. But the whole, whole lineup, everybody that was getting in there was great. Um, so want to commend them for that. But to your point, and I think I said a little bit of this last week, I think Riverheads benefits from playing good competition. I'm not saying just because they're playing two A teams that they're better. Last week we were making the point that the Shenandoah district produces a lot of good teams. And I think Riverheads playing those teams all season or getting beat up by them by some beating them in others. It really gets them like just rolling by time playoffs come and it benefits them in most every sport. And I mean, soccer, baseball, um, did well last spring. Softball was deep in it last year. Track is a traditionally good at Riverheads. Um, so then this fall it's continuing. And I mean, we're, you know, we're coming off a state championship in football last year for Riverheads. So it's just, it's just a cycle that's it's, it's going well for them right now. And I think the new district will, will help that too with Fort coming in. That's a, that's a 3A school coming in that can provide a little more depth in all the different sports and softball. And, and they're very good in volleyball. So it, it'll be good tests for Riverheads moving forward and i think it'll just keep getting them ready for 1a playoffs yeah no i think you're exactly right but to shift gears to go to football specifically we talked about scheduling and this is something else i want to correct you on because i don't think you're right 
Well, that doesn't happen often. Yeah, I know. Um, <laughs> you said that a 2A or 3A team would get two bonus points for playing a 1A team. They'd get four for playing a 1A team. A 3A team? I don't think that's true. It's on the front page of the PowerPoints. I'm looking at it. I'm looking at it now. I, it says two bonus points per classification. I think that's going up, though. It's not going down. So no, it's going down. It's going down. That's yeah, they how, get four bonus how, points for playing a 4A team, but they could get eight bonus points for playing a 3A team. So they're going to play the 3A team every time. Say that one more time. I, I missed you. A 3A team can get four bonus points by playing a 1A team, or they can get eight bonus points by playing another 3A team. Which one do you think they pick? For playing up? Another 3A team is eight bonus points. Bonus points in the point factor for the wins versus losses. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Yes. They're going to play it's the 3 team. They put the two points in to make it better. It didn't fix everything, but there's still points there. And if you're playing a good 1A team versus some crap 3A team, there's benefit there with those wins losses. Barely, but okay. That's why I don't get why teams just reject playing a good 1A team. But it's fine. I don't I don't want to go back and argue that point again. I, I just wanted, wish I just wanted to say stuff I, with a, really my main point last week was that I wanted I want 1A teams from south of Riverheads to play Riverheads. I don't see why they wouldn't. Okay. Let's move on to what a lot of people in Augusta County are talking about, and that's college football, and particularly Virginia Tech really dropping off this year, and we've talked about it at length week after week, and they're not good. They're just not good. And watching them, it's just it seems very different than what they used to be going back a ways, but even it just, it's really dropped off and you can see a roster with uh, the offense and the defense from opening night against Florida state. And you see all these red lines through the guys on the defense that have either gotten hurt or are no longer with the team. And so you can understand why our defense isn't spectacular, but they should probably still be a little better than they are. But the offense, like wh- where are they at? Like, where is this Justin Fuente offense? It's, it's not working. And I'll just jump into my rant now. And you got a piece of it on Saturday yep. night. We're just not tough. We're not a tough football team. And that, I mean, I was kind of keeping it together Saturday night, but then when it's fourth and one and we line up and shotgun and we run some sweet crap, like what? That's not, that's, Eventually in football, you got to line up and run over somebody. You got to be tougher than the guy across from you. We can out, you can outsmart them all you want. You can out scheme everybody all you want, but eventually you're just going to have to be tougher than somebody and have to push somebody around. And we do not do that. We don't attempt to do that. And if we don't attempt to do that because we're incapable, that's on recruiting. If we don't attempt that to do that, because it's not part of our scheme, well, we need to get it in our scheme. And it just, it's frustrating to watch. You're going to come tell me something about, you're going to talk about Fuente. I, I don't, I'm not ready to get crazy. We're a spoiled fan base that we, there's no changes shouldn't be talked about right now. He needs longer to figure this out. He's, he's been going, but we've got to start seeing tough toughness come out of our football team. And that starts this week. I'm not saying we wait till next year to see toughness. You got to see some toughness now because our back is against the wall and you're just going to have to see some play calling with that in mind that we got to be tough and get the team mentally ready to be tough. And, you know, if, if you get a tough play here, then that inspires the next guy to be tough. That'd be great. And th- I don't think this is coach speak or, you know, Hollywood talk of being tough. I think there's something to it. We don't play with a fullback anymore. No one does. I'm not saying we need to, but maybe we need to play, have somebody on the field that has a fullback mentality because I don't see one guy out there that does, not even the big fat guys up front. We haven't had a good offensive line in a decade. So I don't know if I buy that. Um, I, I buy the fact that our offense looks bad. Justin Fuente wants to establish the run and his best running back is in Colorado because he chased him off because he wouldn't use him when he had him. McMillan has almost twice as many yards as the Virginia Tech leading rusher. Man, it is super, super disappointing to see that kid tear it up at the University of Colorado and then look at our team and just totally embarrassingly try to run the ball when they can't do it. Our leading rusher has 532 yards. Get out. You say Fuente needs more time. Fuente has gotten worse each year, and I'm sorry. You are a major Division I program, and you're about to miss a bowl game. Get out. 
it is all you have to do is finish 500 and this year you have to finish one game above 500 because you only have 11 games but don't worry you would have lost that game to east carolina anyway so i don't even know why we're worried about that but when you can't do that you don't deserve to have a job in college football i'm sorry it's inexcusable justin fuente can't recruit he chases every bit of talent (laughs) that he has off the team i'm tired of it i'm tired of so spoiled i'm tired oh my gosh we're so spoiled yeah oh we're so spoiled 500 what an accomplishment people like you are probably the people that used to complain that we had to go to miami every year for our bowl game we kept making no i didn't care somewhere different i would love to go to the orange bowl that wants to fire fuente now it's bull crap he's a good football coach he's earned his spot to be at this level and there's no way you fire him now you give them longer. I'm not saying the clock didn't Let them go 0-12, and, that- and then when we have no team left and we are UVA and we suck for 20 years, then we can sit around and go, man, I guess we should have fired Fuente when, you know, he missed that bowl game. Well, maybe we don't, you know, go hire a, a police officer from Richmond as our head coach and wonder what we did wrong. We hired a good football coach that was had a proven track record of rising up the ranks, and he was ho- highly sought after. I mean, who do you want? Did you want to go get Herman, who's at Texas now, who, sure, they got up the polls this year, but there's a lot of swirling around that guy, and it's not what we want in our program. I'm fine with Fuente. I'm not – I'm nowhere close to pulling trigger. I'm not saying I haven't started thinking, well, this isn't headed the right direction. I'm going to give him a a chance to get it turned right easily. I don't think it's going to happen. I think everyone that's talented leaves this team because either, A, he doesn't utilize them properly – or B, he cops some kind of attitude with them, like success isn't what we do here. And look, the people that were complaining that we go to Miami every year are people who don't understand bowl tie-ins. I loved going to the Orange Bowl and getting our tails kicked in every time. Now, I wish we could have won some of those games, but at least we were there. At least we were winning the ACC. And people are like, I'm tired of going to Miami. Okay, well, then I guess you're tired of winning the conference. I don't know what to tell you. We're not... We aren't ever going to a national championship the way we're structured right now. Justin Fuente is not going to get you there. Frank Beamer wasn't going to get you back there. Uh, Frank, what I'm learning is Frank Beamer was one hell of a recruiter. And if I was Virginia Tech, instead of having him sit in the box and just be on TV every time we have a game. What are you talking about? You don't want him there at all. uh, Well, I would (laughs) would send him on the recruiting trail and have him recruit kids for us because that guy can get players. And then I would tell Justin Fuente, do not – mess this up what do you think wearing that 25 jersey is what do you think all that beamer having beamer around is it's still using i would name. literally send still him on the recruiting trail yeah literally send him on the recruiting trail because justin fuente can't do it i would like to see better results from recruiting but i i could not i would be shocked with myself if i start saying anything different even tw- like within 12 months from now if we are headed downward still a year from now maybe i could start imagining not being as adamant as you are, but I'm giving him this, I'm giving him time to get this right. Because I I think in August, we were so far from saying something like this. I'm not about firing a coach on a, on a, on a snap, on a whim, like that quick. I'm just not there. I'm not that way. This is year three. He has gotten worse each year he's been here. Why do you want more of his ideas and players in this system? Because I think he can make it work. Based based on faith or based on facts? Based on my optimism. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. Well, I'm going to base it on facts and say that he is about to drive this train off a cliff. And this might be just prisoner of the moment stuff, Leland, but I don't remember Frank Beamer. And even in his disappointing losses, I don't remember us getting housed like we got housed by Georgia Tech and by Pitt this weekend that 97 yard run they had near the end of the game i saw that coming from a mile away i told the person i was watching the game with because he goes maybe we'll get a safety and i was like more likely a 97 yard touchdown run and sure enough he gets it the the multiple whoopings that we've taken i surely don't remember maybe one or two you know you go down to lsu and get rocked but but lsu was good the multiple whoopings is is different yeah we're losing to bad teams i agree with that i do want to wrap up the tech point was mike herndon who we're planning on having on this podcast had a big senior day and that, and at least there was something somewhat happy coming out of that thing for any Riverheads fans. Uh, he had a big day, a lot of fans there for him, coach Casto and his wife there walking him on the field. Great moment for him. So a local guy doing good and, uh, you know, adding to my misery as a Hokie fan. Yeah, good for him. <laughs> George Aston had a pretty good game too. 
This week on the Yak Sports Podcast, we have Mike Barber from the Richmond Times-Dispatch joining us again. This time, we're going to talk about some basketball. And let's talk tech, UVA, any basketball in the state that you want to talk about. Give us some lowdowns on what we're expecting out of some teams. Yeah, I think that, you know, it's certainly going to be an interesting year when you look at the expectations at UVA and the expectations at Virginia Tech. And I can't really remember the last time we've gone into a year where the two of those teams uh, were so highly thought of in the ACC. And um, I think that makes things really interesting. Now, Virginia Tech sort of is, is having the uh, the football effect a little bit, the tumultuous uh, things going wrong, things getting rocky before you even play a game. And you, know, you look at Chris Clark and, and certainly the way he fit into what they do, uh, the hole he leaves rebounding and my sources are telling me not to expect Chris Clark uh, back anytime soon. That's a big loss uh, if you're Virginia Tech. Then you add into it Landers Nolly and, and the impact he was supposed to have and the holdup right now in the NCA clearinghouse. I spoke with a source today who said, you know, don't worry that by the time they're you know midway through non-conference at the latest, be wrapped up. He'll be cleared. This isn't going to be a long-term problem, which is really good news if you're a tech fan. Uh, at the same time, it's a little frustrating uh, to be going through the Chris Clark is out and to not have Landers there. This is the moment that that Buzz Williams is kind of back there in that you know wizard lab, mixing it all up and figuring out how to make it work. Uh, and now he doesn't have one of his pieces that he might solve the Chris Clark dilemma with. Um, so it's fascinating. It's going to be really interesting to see how he approaches that. Uh, you know, I thought the ACC preseason rankings, uh, you know, the voting uh, had Tech at number five. I thought that was kind of like a, okay, here we go, here's the moment. But then the 15 ranking kind of blew me back a little bit, like, whoa, take it easy. Like, I don't want to have too high <laughs> expectations. But honestly, when you kind of look pat, look in the past, fifth in the ACC does give you a top 25 ranking. 15's a touch high, I think. But still, maybe we all should have been expecting that, but – what do you think about the 15th ranking? Do you think that is a place that they can end the season at, or, or do you think that it's going to trend down? No, you know, it's interesting because going into the year, people said, what do you think the ceiling is? And everybody cares about March, right? That's all that matters. Yeah. And that's why yeah. UVA was a disaster last year with all their victories. I mean, UVA was a disaster last year. Uh, and, and now you look at tech and I told everybody, I thought sweet 16, maybe elite eight, is what this team could accomplish. Now, I think Sweet 16 is very reasonable. I think Elite Eight, it's matchups and getting hot and things like that. Um, but if that's what I'm telling you, then there's absolutely 15, nothing yeah. wrong. Right, there's nothing wrong with a 15 ranking. Yeah, I mean, that's surprising to me. Um, and I, I get like that it. that's your, I, I love it. I hope you're right. <laughs> I, You know, as Leland will tell you, my pessimistic view won't allow for that. But um <laughs> Uh, I guess I, I know it was your look at the beginning of the season, but the fact that you've already mentioned Chris Clark and touched on that, I feel like that's a big blow to this team that gets out rebounded night in, night out anyway. Um, so it, it feels like if they're really, really not shooting well, that lose the loss of Chris Clark is going to, if, if people knew that going in Virginia tech wouldn't be 15th and they wouldn't be fifth predicted in the ACC. In my opinion, am I, am I wrong there? Or do you think that, even without Chris Clark, this is a team that still could finish fifth in the ACC and still make a Sweet 16 kind of run. Well, I think both points are valid. I, I think you're right. If Chris Clark, if we knew about that, he wouldn't. They wouldn't be ranked 15. They wouldn't be five in the ACC. Um, that being said, Buzz Williams has showed me year in and year out that he can coach around uh, some really big problems, and, and that's the thing about Buzz that I think goes underreported and underappreciated. Yes, he's rebuilt Tech incredibly fast. He's made them competitive in the best league in the country. That by itself is amazing. Things have not gone smoothly for Buzz Williams. There have been injuries every year. Oh, my goodness, think, yeah. Think about it, right? Chris Clark, Ty Outlaw, KJ. They've had uh, Med Hill the first year. They have had serious lineup-changing injuries every season that Buzz has been here, and he has not only found a way to kind of get by, he's continued to take a next step each year. So – the Chris Clark injury is huge. The rebounding aspect is huge. And maybe I'm a sucker, but I'm saying, hey, I've watched Buzz Williams coach his way out of this and then some three years in a row. Why can't he do it for? Okay. I, I, I agree with you. Um, I, I agree with you on that point. I think Buzz Williams is a great coach. Um, moving on to UVA, I, I know you said that last year was a disaster. I love the word that you used there because that's exactly what Leland and I used to describe <laughs> their season, even though folks in Charlottesville will tell you, we won the ACC regular season. We won the ACC tournament. We were great. No one could ever beat us except Virginia Tech. 
uh, how great were we last year, and then they lose to UMBC. And Leland and I were watching that game together. It was the most excitement I've ever had watching a March Madness game. Um, it goes back to another uh, sports figure, and hey, Mike, I love just this. Just a heads up: you said something bad about UVA basketball. Uh, we're going to jump Wright on that. It's going to come after you on Twitter, so just be ready for that. <laughs> I understand, but I think, Jeff, I think Jeff has to agree. But I, it goes to another thing a sports uh, commentator said, uh, and this was in terms of soccer. But I'm going to apply it to this as well because it applies to me. I would much rather see my rival. I almost get more enjoyment out of seeing my rival lose oh my than seeing my team win. <laughs> and I'm a, I'm a better person, I guess, than Joe, because I don't. <laughs> I, I, I actually hate rooting for UVA to lose. I just like when we can just be better than them and we don't have to root for that. It did make me happy the other Friday night when Pitt beat them. But, yeah, I hate <laughs> I hate that feeling, though. Um, yeah, but I could see it from from both because, yeah, for me, as a, as a Yankees fan, uh, nothing's better for me than the Yankees winning. But if we're not winning, uh, I love to see Boston lose. Um, you know, people always say, oh, they're, they're doing this, they're doing that. And I said, I want them to get to game seven of the World Series and lose it then. I want them to lose in the most <laughs> heartbreaking fashion uh, when it can't be my guys. But my first choice would certainly be uh, Yankees win 120 games and don't lose a playoff game and sweep to the series. You want another Buckner moment for the Red Sox, huh? I want one of those a week. <laughs> but now that the UVA fans are typing on their keyboards in the comment section you guys are talking about other stuff during the uva part of the preview uh, let's go ahead and talk about uva this is a team that again ranked really high no surprise there tony bennett's going to have his team as a top seed in the tournament and i don't think that's going to be a surprise maybe not a one but up there near the top what i mean is this the year they finally get in the final four do they have enough scoring to get there this year i think they have more scoring uh than they've had in the past i think ty jerome people are going to come to appreciate his all-around game um, I'm a huge Ty Jerome fan. I mean, everybody talks about the long three pointers, but he's a stronger kid than people realize he can get into the lane. He can draw some contact. Uh, he can do a lot of things. So I, I really like his offensive game. Certainly Kyle guy, when he's hot, uh, can just be an explosive scorer. The thing that's been missing to me is a low post, a guy you throw the ball to on the low block. He takes his guy one-on-one -on -one and gets you a bucket. And how many times with UVA basketball have we seen, hey, the defense is fine, but the offense bogs down and can't do anything? And to me, DeAndre Hunter is the kind of player who can do that. To me, DeAndre Hunter is the kind of guy where you haven't given up a basket in four minutes, you haven't scored one in three, you throw him the ball in the low block, uh, and there's a little you know, drop step pivot, and all of a sudden you're on the board and, and things are rolling. So uh, I think this Virginia team, the ceiling is the same as last year. I think this is a Final Four caliber team. I think Tony is going to coach it that way. I think the defense is going to get better as the year goes. Uh, and I think there's a little more offensive diversity. I think one of the biggest topics, you know, now that the season's already starting, we've already got to see a little bit of college basketball. I mean, Duke looks good. Uh, and you, you don't necessarily predict what these freshmen can do, but they've played a couple games. Is It seems like to me Zion Williamson is is – defense proof. I mean, he's, he can score from wherever he wants to score from. Does UVA have something that can match up against those three freshmen plus everything else that coach K brings to it? Yeah. And I, I don't believe that anybody is defense proof because we've seen some really loaded Duke teams struggle with Virginia's defense. And, um, you know, I think back to years where they were inside out and, you know, that they'll be post trapping, uh, and all of a sudden Duke can't score in the low block. They kick it out and, if you can't hit a three, all of a sudden uh, that defense smothers you. Now, this group is very talented. This group can do a lot of things. This group can attack you from a lot of different places, but they are freshmen. And, and you know, yes, they did it, uh, you know, against Kentucky, who's there's a lot of talent on the floor in that game. Um, but I just wonder when you have a defense as sound as Virginia, how will they react? Now, it's possible uh, by the time that game comes around. Yeah. That they're not gonna, you know, we always oh, they're not freshmen anymore. We might be at that point where they can attack a defense like that, or they might kind of come out and and sort of struggle with, you know, how do we handle a defense like we haven't seen before? So um, I'm not ready to give Duke the trophy yet, but I understand that reaction because man, they do look good. I mean, I think people are ready to give them the the national trophy after that first <laughs> night. I mean, then they play Army and things slow down, but yeah, I mean, it's gonna be a lot for anybody to handle, uh, surely. So talking about those two teams we basically talked top 16 six uh sweet 16 for tech and then it's final four bust for uva or are they really a national championship or bust team 
Well, I think you always say Final Four, and maybe I'm soft in this regard, um, but I've always been somebody, you know, when they talk about the Buffalo Bills and losing all those Super Bowls, uh, you can't win the big game. You have to win a lot of big games to get to a Super Bowl. I view the Final Four the same way. Um, Do you win that national semifinal or lose it? A lot of times that's matchup. Uh, Maybe it's health, where you're at. Um, To me, if you're a Final Four team, that that's the pinnacle. And then, you know, if you're there three, four years in a row and not winning, people can start ladling that pressure on. But um, to me, it's Final Four or bust. And again, part of it is the way last year ended. And you know, last year, like I said, it, the ending was disastrous. To to be that good, to be that dominant, um, and then to have a wrinkle thrown at you with the Hunter injury, to get a bad matchup, and to not be able to come through it, it's almost like hey, did you just negate everything you did all year? And, um, you know, I don't think it does. I think they were great all year. But I think that that's the question mark. That's what you leave us with. The taste you leave us with is, well, how did you go and win 30-something games? How were you so unbeatable if one injury and all of a sudden it's a house of cards and it fell apart? It's a little bit unfair because of how good they were for how long, but that is the reality of how that season ended. And to me, that makes it Final Four or bust this year. I I, I would counter that argument just because I'm ready to argue anything against UVA that I can. You know, I've seen some good teams in the past. Uh, what was it? At Cincinnati, they were really good one year. And uh, I have, his name's escaped me. He got injured. They still won. Yet. Yeah, he, they still won some tournament games. So I, I don't. And they weren't playing 16 seeds either. Oh, so and that's I, my point. I, you can't you can't excuse that. You, that one injury can't excuse that. They were a good. They always preach team there. I mean, they're a team defense, a team thing going on. Yeah, I I I don't take that as, as an excuse. Not trying to say that you were. It's come up other places. It, it rang a bell when you said that. <laughs> so the one injury. Yeah, I think no matter how you look at that, you can't paint that a rosy picture. And uh, they get, they're going to live in that shadow for a long time. And I, I said that on Twitter this week to Jeff Wright. They're always going to be mentioned when the bracket comes out every year, forever. Oh, yeah, I think that's absolutely true. And, and I think that that's something that they're aware of and are going to have to live with. Now, I do think if they make the Final Four this year, there's a spin of that, right? Because sports writers and media, and fans, we love that redemption story. And all of a sudden, it I becomes... I don't. <laughs> <laughs> well, only because of who the team is. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but I, mean, I think back to a couple of years ago when Carolina had lost in the championship, and then they talked about the guys having like the celebration picture from the other team on their cell phone and turning around and flipping that. And sports loves that redemption story. So if UVA goes from being the ultimate upset, the team, the first one ever to lose to a 16, and then they turn around and get back to a Final Four, does it erase it? Never. It'll never be erased. But it becomes sort of a a positive part of this, how they built their championship team. Now, if they go this year and go out in the Elite Eight, to me, that that falls too short. I know it's one game. That falls so short of erasing that. Uh, And then you're talking about who was UVA. Oh, they're the team that two years ago lost to a 16 seed. Whereas if they make the Final Four, I think they are the team that survived the biggest upset ever and then made it to the Final Four the next year. I I think that's a great point. Uh, Just playing to that next weekend is the biggest difference in the world. Like as soon as you coached in a Final Four, you're, I mean, uh, Laranega at Miami now, just because he coached in a Final Four, he's thought of as so much better. I I completely agree with you. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I think it's, what's really interesting is here's UVA who's sort of expected to be there and here's Virginia Tech, who, if they went to a Final Four this year, right, that's amazing. And you're only talking about the difference between, what did I say, Sweet 16, maybe Elite yeah, 8? You're yeah. talking about one or two wins. But you're right. There's a perception of you get those one or two wins in March, and all of a sudden you're a different kind of coach. Yeah, you're talking nine days different. Yep. Yeah. All right. Well, Mike, we appreciate you coming on with us again. Um, while we're going, While we're taking you out, any new Ben shows? Any Have you had any time for anything different? <laughs> I have not. I, I'm still into the blacklist, finishing that up. And uh, I actually thought Walking Dead rebounded. It got a little more interesting. But I haven't had much time to watch. Uh, I've been yeah. watching a lot of, you know, we're in the football-basketball overlap. So if I'm not re-watching a football game, I'm probably watching a new basketball game. <laughs> <laughs> There's not a lot of time for uh, entertainment value. Fair enough. Remind our listeners uh, where they can catch you. Yeah, you can read me at richmond.com and follow me on Twitter at RTD underscore Mike Barber. And we appreciate you coming on. We might get a quick word with you here in a couple weeks when the Heisman voting around that time. 
uh, might get you on as a, like a half interview or something, uh, because that's always an interesting time uh, for an award that Joe or I uh, don't really care about, apparently, after <laughs> that podcast a couple weeks ago. But thank you for coming on, and we look forward to talking to you soon. Sounds good. Thanks for having me, guys. Okay, Leland, let's start to wrap this thing up. Uh, what's dominating my life? And what is dominating my life is bad sports in, in terms of the teams I follow. Uh, the Orioles, right before we went on recording today, said they are expected to announce the new executive hire, which I'm hoping is GM. Is that you? It might as well be, because <laughs> what I'm learning, and I know that Ron on Twitter is going to love this. I, I saw his comment, and I did chuckle at it. Um, Rob, yeah. But Rob, sorry. And um, Ron, but, I'm going to start calling him Ron, though. That's good. That, yeah, but um, Ron <laughs> what I what I want to say is the Orioles have no plan. The Orioles plan is we don't have a plan. And that's because nobody there is making decisions. Uh, you don't know who's in charge anymore. Peter Angelos is not good. I don't know what his kids are doing. I don't know if Peter's still making decisions. I don't know. No one knows. No one knows what's going on. No one. It's it's just a total mess. Um Flip the calendar. It's football season. John Harbaugh is not practicing during a bye week in which you've lost three games heading into it. So naturally, when your team is at its worst, you're not going to practice because that makes sense. But that's fine because he's going to get fired at the end of the year. None of this matters anyway. Um, who cares? Play Lamar Jackson at this point. I, I honestly, I have hit the point where I don't care what happens anymore with the Baltimore Ravens. Lose all your games. Get a good draft pick. Knock yourselves out. Everybody... Fire everybody. Orioles, <laughs> Orioles don't have anyone making decisions in that organization. It's why we didn't get any of the rookies we were going after. Well, it played a factor in why we didn't get any of them. Some of it's probably because they come over and another team, all they have to say is, that team is a wreck. And they're going to go, yeah, pass. The, Victor Victor Mesa would have been a total clown to come to Baltimore. Good for him. Now, unfortunately, he went to Miami where his career is going to rot anyway. But the Ravens stink. The Orioles stink. Virginia Tech stinks. We're getting blown out by everybody we play, uh, even the bad teams. So who cares? Um, JMU's not going to win a national championship. So hey, uh, Sarando's good. They're going to lose to Blacksburg. That's best case scenario. <laughs> um, well, that's in the state final. State semis. Oh yeah, they're yeah they're C, aren't they? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So that's cool. Whatever. Um, <laughs> let's see. Liverpool's not going to win the league. Man, Manchester City's too good. <laughs> What's the point of any of this? All my teams are just going to rip my heart out and eat it in front of me. Uh, yeah, sports are terrible. Sports are terrible. Uh, what's dominating my life is uh, the truest of sports. Uh, we're signed up for Little League Basketball. I got the big call that I get to be a coach for my daughter. That'll be the first time I get to do that. It's the first time she's playing on a team sport. Uh, it's always been organized mass practice before so i'm excited about that so there'll probably be an update or two throughout the year um i'm remembering back when i was in high school i got to coach some little league too and it was a lot of fun so i'm really looking forward to doing this and and my daughter being a new dynamic of that and you know we had our first meeting tonight and it's all about doing what's best for the kids and everything and uh, i'm really looking forward to getting back to the truest form of of you know not just tearing apart virginia tech because they're terrible at uh football but teaching a sport to young people. I think that'll be a lot of fun and I'm looking forward to it. That but should be fun. I, go ahead. That, that should be fun. That's good. I'm yeah, happy for it's you. Good, good family bonding time. It'll be a good story. Yeah. What do you know that I need to know? Distractions are what I need at this point from sports. As you gathered from my last rant, I have been trying. I'm a negative person to begin with. I'm going to find the darkest part of every fact and focus on that. So when my sports teams are this bad, I've got to go elsewhere for entertainment. And Netflix has a ton of good documentaries. There are documentaries for anything. If you like animals, uh, Blue Planet, Planet Earth. Netflix has 72 dangerous animals of yep. various locations, 72 cutest animals. Um, a lot of great animal documentaries. If you're into history, Ken Burns Civil War, Ken Burns Baseball. Uh, all kinds of historical documentaries. I'm watching Empire Games right now on Netflix. That is a great one on ancient empires and their rise and fall and uh, learning a ton of stuff. And I, I think that's a very important thing, not just you know in terms of sports, but in general life, even after you're done with school and 
you know, if you go to college and you're done with all that, I think it's very important to try to learn something new every day. And there is a lot of avenues to do that on Netflix. Very good stuff. Awesome. I'm going to have to get into some of those. The only new thing I tried on Netflix lately was Bodyguard. Not a, not a documentary. No, but, but that's on my list too. It looks good. Yeah. I, I watched the first half of an episode. I might've fallen asleep. It's not because of the show. I just, the it's three late. kids add up. Yeah. What I know that you need to know is that we've already called out his dad on the podcast, but Kyle Stenzel sign in with Virginia Tech for soccer on Wednesday. So you might be listening to that. It might be happening later today for you, or it happened yesterday for you whenever you listen. So Kyle Stenzel signing to go to Tech. It's been, you know, the, a story for uh, like a year now, but it's actually happening. He's actually signing. He's going to go be a Hokie. So uh, all my other cousins have to get out of the way because he is my new favorite cousin as he is a going to be a real Hokie, a scholarship athlete Hokie. Um, I have a cousin-in-law who goes there, so it's her and him are the top of the list. But we're all happy for Kyle Stenzel. He plays for Robert E. Lee Soccer. Last year they went on that incredible run, only giving up one goal the entire regular season and on into the playoffs. And they came up short in the state semifinals, but they'll be looking to get back to there and win a state championship for Lee Soccer this year. And I'm probably going to be a lot of those games because uh, he's he's fun fun to watch and the whole team's good. There's a lot of good players on that team, but uh, really happy for Kyle. And I'm sure you'll see a lot of news leader coverage of him signing. It'll be great. Yeah, Virginia Tech soccer. Wow. Having a great year, by the way. Uh, yeah. Women's team got an upset of Texas, the number four yes. national seed. And the men's soccer team just punched their ticket to a third straight NCAA tournament appearance. So he's going into a good program and then get to host. Yeah, he's going into a good program there. Good for them because uh, the football team's terrible. Maybe they could use him over the football team to do something right. Yeah, maybe he could kick. (laughs) Is he fast? Maybe he could be the running back because we don't have one of those either. Well, next week we will be back with plenty of high school talk. uh, Riverheads volleyball season. Hopefully we'll be positively over by then, but no matter what, it will be over by next week because the state championship game is Friday. We'll also be back to talk about high school football playoffs as, uh, you know, two local teams still going at it. And we'll still probably have some thoughts on the entire state. And then of course, uh, who does tech lose to this week? Miami, Miami. So that'll be a disappointing win because or a loss because they uh, aren't aren't good either. So we'll talk about that. Also in the bowl streak. That would end the bowl streak. Hey, are they going to slip in a 12th game on us in here? They're going to get Marshall signed up. Don't. It's going to be way more embarrassing for you to slip that 12th (laughs) game in and then lose to UVA and it not matter. (laughs) Probably true. All right. We'll be back next week. Thanks for listening. Follow us. Subscribe. We'll be back next week. You've been listening to Yak Sports, your Augusta County sports podcast.